Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast hosted by nutritional coach Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well-being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode number 37 of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. This is your host, Jessica Tai, and I am so excited to be here with you guys on this Tuesday, March 20th, which just happens to be the first day of spring. Although I have to say, judging by the weather here in Cincinnati, someone forgot to tell Mother Nature that today is the first day of spring. It is like 30 something degrees outside. It is super cold and we're supposed to get snow this evening. <laughs> so I know we're not alone in that in many parts of the country are expecting or have been experiencing some wintry weather over the last day or two. And um, I think it's predicted to continue that way in many parts of the country here for the next few days. So I guess we should just settle in and uh, just get used to this for the next few days and hope that spring is around the corner. If you look outside um, here at my house, I've got all my tulips are coming up. None of them have budded yet, thank God, because the snow will kill them. But um, And my, my magnolia trees are getting buds on them. So I'm really hoping that this is the last cold snap that we get because I remember, I don't think, I don't know if it was last year, maybe it was the year before that we had all of the blooms came out on our magnolia trees. We have two magnolias. I have a, a magnolia bush in the front landscaping and then I've got this beautiful magnolia tree uh, out by the road and both of them bloomed and then we get this cold snap and it killed all the blooms. So everything that hadn't bloomed, uh, that was in the process of blooming, froze, and they never opened back up. And then all the ones that had bloomed, they all died. And it was so sad because it's such, you know, I look forward to that so much every year is seeing all of those beautiful blooms come out and and they last for a while. So so I'm, I'm glad that they haven't opened up yet. And I hope that they kind of stay hidden and protected until this cold weather moves out. So um, anyway, okay, so I uh, am here solo today, if you haven't figured that out yet. Uh, just been a little bit crazy. I was gone this past, uh, well, I left last Wednesday morning, actually, and was gone uh, for about five days for my, um, my midterm for a nutritional therapy practitioner uh, with the NTA for my midterm and practicals. And um, man, it was an intense weekend. After we did our testing the first two days, we then went into workshops and uh, for the rest of the weekend. So most of the day Friday and then all day Saturday and Sunday was spent uh, in workshops. And so kind of moving through the rest of the modules in our instruction and getting through those and doing a lot of practicing on the functional evaluation and pra practicing the LMT process, which is um, lingual neurotesting, which I'm gonna talk to you guys a little bit about today. 
and just kind of running through some of that stuff. So it was an intense, intense, intense five days. And my brain just, by Sunday night, I flew home late Sunday, um, got got in here home about 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And I'm telling you what, just even in the airport, um, I, my brain had just, it was shut down. It just decided that it was done. So um, if any of you followed me on social media, you'll see that I walked into one of the little shops in the airport and I, I typically listen to like a podcast or something on the plane, uh, or read a book or something, but I just, my brain was so overwhelmed and I had just been, you know, had just delved so much into nutrition and wellness and health and all this stuff and just body systems and all that, that I thought, you know, I don't really think I want to listen to a podcast. I, I just, you know, I'm kind of, I'm just kind of done with it for a little while. Like I need a break from just thinking about the body and nutrition and all this. I mean, literally guys, I was sleeping this past weekend, like every night in the hotel and I was dreaming. I was literally having dreams. Like I was waking up from those dreams, like chanting, you know, functional evaluation locations and, um, and things I would, I would L and T for that issue in the body. And like, it was insane. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is a nightmare. Like I can't get this out of my head. So I just figured by the time I was flying home on Sunday, I thought I just want something mindless to read. Right. So, um, I rarely like never, unless I'm sitting in a waiting room or something, do I ever get the chance to sit and like look through a magazine? And I thought, well, the, about the most mindless thing I can think of is get one of those like people or I don't even know what the other ones are called. I can't think of them, but you know, the things where you read all about the celebrities and who's divorcing who and who's marrying who and who all this stuff, right? Probably none of it's true anyway, but I just thought I just need something like that to read. Like doesn't take any brain power. I can basically just flip through and look at pictures <laughs> and read headlines and just zone out. And I didn't want to fall asleep because I thought that it would, I typically can't sleep on a plane anyway, but I, I thought if I fall asleep on the way home, it's such a short flight. It's about an hour um, from takeoff to touchdown. And I thought, you know, I, I just don't think I want to fall asleep in that short amount of time. It'll probably mess me up and, and all this. So anyway, I went into the store, the little magazine shop and just grabbed the first people magazine I saw and checked out when I got on the plane, I realized that I had bought the magazine in Spanish. <laughs> so, um, I couldn't even read it. So it's been years since I have taken a Spanish class. So I just, I was too tired really to even laugh at myself, but I did take a picture of it and uh, posted it on social media so that um, you guys could get a laugh out of it. <laughs> so that pretty much summed up my weekend. Um, brain went on vacation and that was it. Uh, but the great news is, is I did pass my exam with flying colors and uh, as well as the practical and the written. So I'm uh, very proud of myself for that. Um, you know, my goal was to ace all three portions. I did get a 100% on one of them. Um, so, you know, I didn't hit my goal, uh, but I figure you got to shoot for the stars, right? Um, because if you have self-doubt going into that stuff, which I am notorious for, it's very difficult for me to 
uh, believe in myself at times and I have a lot of anxiety over those types of things. And, um, and then just, just everything that we have to accomplish in the weekend and kind of knowing what was ahead and it's wonderful. And I just feel like I'm really with my tribe, with my, um, you know, other NTP classmates. It's, you know, they're amazing and we have really formed some amazing relationships and, um, you know, we were talking about how we are able to be vulnerable and open with each other. And, you know, many of us share the same experience that I, you know, kind of feel sometimes like I'm the only one that feels the self-doubt and the anxiety. And, you know, I think anytime that you're that passionate about something and you just really want to make a difference um, and, and help other people. And I think that can naturally come with a lot of self-doubt and, and questioning and, and whatnot, because you're just, you want so badly to do it right and to be able to help people. And you know that you're not perfect. You know, I know how imperfect I am. And so I just don't want that to carry over into my practice. I want, um, you know, I want to hit it every time I want to do everything perfectly. And I want to, um, you know, service my clients the very best way that I can. And, and, you know, I, I want that to be perfection (laughs) and I realize that that is not possible and that that's too much pressure on myself. Um, but nevertheless, that's kind of the way I, uh, tend to do things. So it brings a lot of anxiety and stress and whatnot. So it was, um, so it was, it was just really nice to be there this weekend with, with everyone, um, that kind of gets that and understands that. And we're all kind of in the same place, um, kind of in this navigating this. And it was, uh, it was just an incredible weekend and, um, incredible time connecting with those women and, and, uh, men, we have some men in our class too, and just getting kind of re, uh, kind of reignited, you know, these workshop weekends are super intense and, uh, you know, bring a lot of, it's a lot of work and a lot of things we have to do in these weekends, but, uh, it also is is a sense of renewal because I, you know, I leave this, like I left this weekend just feeling like I can do this. Um, and mostly talking about the functional evaluation, I am not practicing in the, um, in that mode yet. So, you know, I do health coaching, um, and nutritional coaching with clients have been doing that for a while, but I do not do that in a capacity, um, that I am being taught right now, as far as with the hands-on functional evaluation part and using this, uh, lingual neuro testing with clients. Now, uh, the majority of my clients are not local, so uh, I wouldn't be able to get my hands on them anyway, and that's fine. You can certainly still do what I am doing without putting your hands on people and being able to actually, t- uh, you know, touch and test those those test points. But um, it's amazing what you can learn from the body through doing these functional evaluations, and um, and just after this weekend, you know, going into this weekend and being tested on kind of the first half of everything that we've learned, um, which the biggest part of that's really your digestive points and um, endocrine, things like that. But going into this weekend and being tested on those things and then spending the rest of the weekend, you know, kind of continually going over those functional evaluations and testing on each other and, you know, just continuing to practice that skill. And it really is a skill that you you really have to um, master. Um, you know, finding these points on the body. Everybody's body is different, so you know many of the points um, 
for instance, there's what's called the Chapman's reflex. And many of those points, depending on what body uh, organ your, your, or system you're trying to um, pinpoint, many of those points are in your rib cage. So you'll, you know, you're looking for those points along the intercostal spaces in between your ribs. And it is very specific, uh, not only which intercostal space or which rib you are supposed to be checking, but also the specific point within that intercostal space. So you can't just go to the sixth intercostal space and hit any point you want to be able, you know, to assess if someone is having an issue with their stomach duodenum. You have to actually find the specific point. So it becomes very, uh, it's a, it's a great skill set to have to be able to locate those points because as you might imagine, each person's rib cage is different. So being able to find these points on every person, um, takes a lot of skill and a lot of learning. So after this past weekend, I just feel, um, and practicing on so many bodies by, you know, as, as a class, all of the students, we, we help each other and, and work, you know, um, on each other. We partner up with many different people throughout the weekend. And it's just a, it's a brilliant way to learn it because you, um, like I said, each person's different. So you really start gaining confidence in being able to find these points. And it's amazing working with the other students in the class because we know what we're looking for. And the student that's on the table getting the functional evaluation knows where their point is on their body, <clears throat> at least for the most part. So it's uh, so we're able to help guide each other and it's uh, it's just really amazing. So I'm really looking forward to integrating that that into my practice here in the future. <clears throat> I will start doing that uh, in the summer, and uh, start being able to do that with people and add that to my practice. It really uh, is just so amazing what the body can tell you, and it really helps us to understand some of the um, some of the systems in the body that may be needing more help. So, man, I don't know if you can hear that. I have got this blue jay outside my office window. It is like screaming at me. Literally, it's sitting on my magnolia bush, <laughs> screaming at me. <laughs> anyway, um, so I, I say all that because I did want to kind of talk a little bit about this past weekend. It was amazing, and I got a lot of support from a lot of you. I get a lot of messages that came in either through social media or a lot of you sent me private messages, and I just want you to know I really appreciate that. I love all the support I get from you guys, and I just it was amazing. It, it really it really did. I felt the love for sure. So thank you so much for that. But kind of another reason I wanted to talk about this a little bit is one of the things we're going to talk about today on the podcast is uh, I get a lot of questions about um, kids and not not always just keto related, though that is uh, the most common thing is how do you have, you know, what do you do with your kids to get them to eat keto and, and all that. But in addition to that, I just get a lot of questions from people just saying, you know, can you help me with my kids? What does this look like with the family? Like, I don't know what to do just to even to get them to um, eat well, or I'll get questions like, I don't even know what my kid needs. Like they've got, uh, you know, they've got attention deficit disorder or they, you know, they have, um, autism or, um, you know, maybe they're just, uh, having behavioral issues or, um, you know, just things that, that parents that are, 
that are, you know, if you're listening to this podcast or you listen to any health and wellness podcast, you probably are of the mindset that you understand how much nutrition plays into all of these systems in our body and certainly not least of which is our brain and how our brain functions and, and especially as children and children with, you know, maybe hyperactivity disorders and, um, difficulty concentrating or, uh, or, you know, just managing their moods and, and being able to focus in school or on things that they need to accomplish. And, you know, we see that more and more today that it seems to be a bigger and bigger issue all of the time. And I definitely do think that nutrition plays a huge role in that. Um, I certainly am not a doctor and don't pretend to be. Um, so I do not, understand um, all of the nuances that go into the chemical reactions that are in your brain. However, um, I know that enough about nutrition and how it works in the body um, and how vitamins and minerals and uh, the macronutrients and how all of these things play an absolutely critical role in not only forming your cells, but also being able to give your cells energy and um, and all of the different cofactors that are needed for different enzymatic processes throughout your body to function properly. So it is um, very clear and very obvious that with poor nutrition or poor diet or with poor resources, so if you are um, do not have enough vitamins and minerals uh, and things in your body, those things cannot work properly, uh, regardless of if all of your chemical um you know, if all of the connections in your brain are happening properly, or if you have all of the correct chemical balances, um, so to speak, if your nutrition starts lacking, that will 100% absolutely throw the chemical balances off. You, you cannot, um, stay balanced without all of the proper, uh, nutrients that your body needs in order to actually perform those duties and those tasks. So one of the things I wanted to talk about was a little bit about that and kind of how, um, you know, nutritional therapy practitioners and the functional evaluations and lingual neurotesting that we are educated to do and how that can help someone and kind of some of the ideas around it. So, um, so we're going to talk about this first, and then I wanted to move on to a listener question that I got, um, specifically regarding keto and the carnivore diet. So we'll move on to that here in the second part. But first I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about the functional evaluation and lingual neurotesting. So you kind of understand what we're, uh, kind of what we're talking about. So I'm going to literally take this straight from my, um, straight from my, uh, my information from the NTA, which is the Nutritional Therapy Association, um, straight from the information that they give you. So if not, I don't have to create the wheel here. But so basically what the lingual neurotesting is, is it just simply means that our body tells us what it needs. And, and that is so true. Like if you've ever heard anybody say one of the most, a uh, couple of the most common things that you hear are, is if someone says to you, oh, if you um, crave salt, then you are low in salt, right? Like you need, uh, you need that salt, you need those minerals. And if you are, if you crave uh, chocolate, then you are probably low in magnesium. I think we've all kind of heard that, especially as women, because many women crave magnesium 
around that time of the month. And they crave chocolate, I should say, around that time of the month. And that is because often in um, in our cycle, we we deplete our magnesium levels. Um, we need magnesium for many of the hormonal functions, uh, throughout the month, but specifically during that time of month, and we can very easily deplete our magnesium. Most of us are running deficient on magnesium anyway. So it's, um, it's definitely something that we deplete much further during that time of the month. And then it tends to make women crave it, um, more than, than normal. And so we are able to get a lot of magnesium. So there's your, there's your permission to go eat some chocolate and just make it some dark chocolate and you'll be good. Um, but so in order to, um, there was a, there was a study that was performed by, uh, CM Davis. So, um, CM Davis is, this was done in back in the twenties, the late twenties. It was a, it was called the self-selection of diet by newly weaned infants, an experimental study. So, um, what, what happened in this study? And this is where this kind of lingual neuro testing comes from. So what happened in the study is that they wanted to observe these children and the self-selection of food. So if you're given, um, the ability to, to, to select anything you want without preconceived notions about what is healthy and what is not healthy or what you should be eating or not eating. So that's why they did it on these small children, um, infants and, and toddlers. Um, they wanted to study how and try to understand how our bodies communicate what they need. So what they did in this study is they, there were 15 children and they were given the opportunity to choose from a large selection of natural foods with no outside influence. So like, again, like I said, they weren't, um, you know, they, they don't have these preconceived notions like we do uh, as adults, these outside influences. And they had no, no one was directing these children what to pick. So, um, they were, they, what was interesting was that they, all of these children chose foods that provided nutrition that their bodies needed according to their biochemical individuality. So we are all very bio-individual. And I talk about that on this podcast. And I, even though this is the Keto Lifestyle Podcast, and I, uh, you know, would, um, say that, you know, I am ketogenic. I, I am in ketosis 99% of the time. Um, it is the way that I eat. It is the way I enjoy eating. It's what has helped me in my journey of health, um, more than anything has in the past. I feel good in ketosis. And so this is what I like to do. However, um, what I talk about a lot on this podcast is the bio-individuality of everyone and how I don't believe that there is one way of eating that is best for everybody across the board. Um, I do believe that keto is probably um, one of the most optimal ways we can eat because I think for the majority of us, uh, having very low carbohydrate diet is the, the best way that we can eat. Um, I do believe that within keto, however, that there can be many different versions of what keto looks like for many people. So, uh, some people, it may look a little more like a, um, like a low carb, uh, high fat diet, which is kind of your typical keto, which might look like a, uh, 75% fat, a 20% protein intake, and maybe a 5% carb. However, um, while that may be kind of your, uh, kind of your, you know, the most noted, uh, ketogenic diet and, and macros associated with it. Um, and if you're, 
if you're not familiar with this, macros are your macronutrients, which are um, water. But in addition to that, we have your protein, your carbohydrates, and your fats. So um, many people, you know, kind of base whether or not you're on a, a ketogenic diet on that, um, you know, what your percentages of those macros are. Um, so, but a lot of people don't have to stick to that 5% carb intake. And then there are also people that can't even be that high on a carb intake and, and stay in ketosis. So, um, but there are many people that actually can go much higher than that 5% and they still stay in ketosis. And that has a lot to do with um, many different factors. So it's not just bio-individual, um, depending on your biochemistry and your body, but it's also can depend on outside influences. It can depend on, you know, how well do you sleep at night, um, can absolutely determine how well you are able to handle, um, any macronutrient, but like carbohydrates, for example, or, uh, how is your stress levels? You know, are you handling stress well? Uh, do you exercise a lot? So if you're a very active, um, fast moving person and you're at the gym a lot and you know, you have all these things going on, you'll probably be able to handle many more carbohydrates than someone that is more sedentary or has a desk job or, um, maybe is, uh, having some insulin resistance, uh, those types of things. So it, it matters on a lot of things, but so these children, getting back to the study, these children were studied for at least six months and up to four and one half years. So ranging in age from six months old to 11 months when they began the program. So um, some of the interesting things about this, one they point out in particular was in one instance, it was a child with rickets and that child co chose cod liver oil every day until his blood calcium and phosphorus levels reached normal and the x-ray showed that the rickets had healed. So um, that's just fascinating to me. I mean, here's this child that he doesn't know what rickets is. He doesn't know, but his body knew what it needed. Um, in another case, there was a child with the highest gastric pH. So um, they they chose. So this was their uh, their gastric pH was the highest. So they had the they were very acidic. Um, their gastric pH was very acidic. So they ended up choosing higher alkaline foods than other children. So this study showed that these children had insatiable appetites for um, cod, liver, cod liver oil, which um, is uh, very alkaline. Um, the study implies that adult influence interferes with proper self-selection and suggested that in dealing with children with eating problems, parents allow children to self-select for three weeks, keeping track of what they select. In doing so in the study, initially children indulged in certain foods, but ate a more balanced, proper diet toward the end of the three weeks. Children allowed to omit a food at will usually do not develop a lasting dislike for it. So one of the things that I, that I think is very interesting about this, um, and that I wanted to share with you guys in response to people asking, you know, about, uh, diets, their children's diets and how, you know, what do they do to get them to eat healthier? And even if they're not trying to get them to be ketogenic, they just only want to eat pizza and they just don't know how to get them to, you know, go back and, and eat these healthier foods. 
One suggestion that I would say, and I have given this suggestion to moms in like uh, Bible study groups that I've been in in the past, because I've kind of been there, done that with all this stuff. You know, as a mom of five kids, my oldest is 16 now, you know, I have made all the mistakes. (laughs) So, you know, I have done all the things, made all the mistakes, like anything that probably shouldn't have been done. I'm sure I've done it. And, um, you know, I've kind of been all over the board on trying to figure out what works and struggling through the years to uh, stick to the guidelines that our government gives us, yet trying to make sure that my children are getting what I know is going to make them healthy and help them grow. And having kids that have, you know, my oldest has struggled with different um, issues with his, uh, you know, with his biochemistry. You know, he's um, you know, I had him on, on PPIs as a baby on proton pump inhibitors, um, because the doctors did not understand the, um, they didn't understand his body or what was happening or why he was not digesting food properly. And we did exactly the opposite of what we should have done. And it set him up for what has turned out to be a lifetime of struggles with his digestion and, and whatnot, including, you know, gluten sensitivities now, and he still struggles with digestion. Um, and, and we're slowly, but surely, you know, healing that and rectifying that. But, um, so I've kind of been through a, a ton of this stuff. And one of the things that I, that, that I had finally figured out by the, you know, by my, probably my third, uh, child. So my youngest son, I started realizing that the harder I pushed them to eat the things that I felt like were healthy and that they should be eating, the harder they pushed back and the less they wanted to do that. So, um, even though I knew that their bodies needed these things, this, this is what they needed in order to, you know, stay healthy and grow and all these things. So, um, one of the things that I started doing, and I don't remember where I got this idea or where I read this, or I'm sure I read it in some parenting book or a magazine or something. And, um, and so I have shared this now throughout the years. My youngest son is now 12. So I've, um, so it worked very well with him. And so I have now started sharing that with younger moms, uh, with toddlers to kind of help them. And then I used it with my girls. Um, I used it with my six year, my now six year old, uh, because she's very, uh, strong willed and, you know, wanted to do things her way still does. And then my uh, younger daughter, my five-year-old, um, I also used it with her because adopting her from China as a two and a half year old, she spent a lot of time in an orphanage and, uh, has some food, uh, uh, I don't know the right, um, just some kind of disordered eating because she is just scared to death of going hungry again. So she has these underlying fears and, and issues associated with food and eating. So in order to stop her from hoarding food and, um, overeating, and I mean, she would just about choke every time she ate anything because she would shove everything in her mouth at once and try to eat it because she just was so afraid, I guess, that we were going to take her food away. So, um, kind of heartbreaking. And so I was trying to find a positive way to, um, to help her get through that and, um, used this method as well. And so what I would do was I would sit out, we have these little, they're, they're called ramekins. If you work in, 
uh, food service, if you've worked in food service at any time in your life, you know working in a restaurant, the little side dishes that they will put um, sauces in or, um, you know, you could put like creme brulee dessert would come in something like this. Um, they're generally referred to as a ramekin. So, um, I have a bunch of these ceramic ramekins and what I would do was I would set those out, um, or I would have, uh, and I, my ramekins have little lids that can go on them. Or you could use like Pyrex bowls, like small glass uh, Pyrex bowls. And, um, and you could use plastic if you wanted. I, I just prefer to use glass or ceramics. So, um, so I would put foods in them that were choices that I was okay with my kids having. So it might be carrots or broccoli or cauliflower, um, all raw, or some peppers, maybe raw um, peppers, like uh, yellow, red, um, green peppers, orange peppers. Um, it might be cucumbers. Uh, it, might, it would be nuts. I would have nuts in some of them. Um, trying to think of some of the other things that I would put in those. Um, some berries, like uh, berries that wouldn't get, they wouldn't be able to like smash and get all over everything. So maybe like blueberries or, um, oh, I'm trying to think of some of the things that I would do. Um, I know a lot of, I didn't write all this stuff down. So probably I'm forgetting a bunch of things that maybe I'll remember as I keep talking. But but so I would put those types of things into these little bowls and I would put them out on the kitchen table. And, uh, and I would allow my toddlers to help themselves to any of the things that were in those bowls anytime they wanted. Um, and what I realized that it helped with was for like my, my oldest daughter and my youngest son, it helped with the control for them because, you know, often I, w I felt like I spent half the day with them asking for snacks, like constantly asking for snacks. And I would just be like, oh my gosh, like enough with the snacks. Like it is constant. Like they want to eat all the time. And, um, and it, and it would turn into this, okay, what do you want? And then we would go back and forth. No, you can't have that, but you can have this. No, you can't have that, but you can have this. Like, and it was just this constant struggle. So I started doing this to take that struggle away. Um, a cheese sticks. That's another thing I would, I would cut cheese sticks or put like little chunks of cheese into a bowl and they could choose like cheese. Grapes was another one. I would do grapes. Um, so many of these things I'm mentioning are obviously not ketogenic foods, right? But when you're talking about a growing child, um, it is really actually difficult to get them out of ketosis. So babies are ketogenic and they are that your breast milk is ketogenic. So they, um, that that's natural for them. It's a natural state for them to be in. Now, when we start feeding them baby formula and things like that, many of that stuff is not, and they will become carb burners. Um, but typically where we see this switch over is when uh, babies turn into toddlers that begin drinking juice and uh, eating Cheerios. Um, I know guilty uh, as charged for putting Cheerios all over my child's uh, stroller tray um, just to, in an attempt to be able to take a walk or a jog or something and keep them entertained. Um, things I would take back if I could. But um, so those types of things, you know, we, if you think about, and it, 
you know, an, a, a, ten, a, a standard, a typical toddler's uh, snack regimen, like what that looks like. You know, that's um, the puffs, you know, these little puffs that Gerber, I think it's Gerber makes, or the first food you introduce to them is rice cereal, right? Or oatmeal, um, you know, or oats. So we inundate their bodies with sugar and carbohydrates like as soon as humanly possible. Um, that's just what we, that's just what we seem to do. Even baby foods. I mean, how many babies stop eating the vegetables when we start feeding them the fruit? So, um, you know, they very quickly switch over to being a carb burner and they prefer the sweet. I mean, we, we, that's programmed into us guys. You know, we are programmed to, to go after, after the sweet um, tasting things because for survival, that's what would have served us best. Um, anytime we could get our hands on sweet fruits and things like that, that could um, give us, you know, replenish all of our glycogen stores, give us that quick, um, immediate energy. We would just gorge ourselves as much as we could. We would store all that extra glucose as fat on our bodies. And, uh, that would keep us alive in, in lean times when we would need to kick into, uh, burning all of that body fat, but we didn't stay in that carb burning um, place we would go back to being uh, fat burners as soon as that uh, carbohydrate source was exhausted. And so what we do now is we feed our babies those things and then they they of course they're programmed to want that and they do want that and then we don't stop feeding them those things and so um, and so they pretty quickly turn into carb burners. Um, you know, they want crackers, cookies, goldfish, Cheerios, you know, that's, that's what toddlers eat. Right. So, um, so this was in an attempt to, to keep my kids, you know, to, to stop feeding them all these carbohydrates and all of the sugary things and to give them, uh, the fructose, if they were going to have anything, the fruit that came with the fiber and, um, you know, to help kind of slow the absorption and help them to digest properly and hopefully not get overly, um, so, you know, basically just trying to provide them with other options so that they could get the actual nutrients from food that they need. So it goes right along with what the study did and how they found that when, um, you know, if you're providing these things with these vitamins and these minerals, these nutrients that our children need, then I think it would be interesting to kind of watch what foods they go after the most. Like, what are they trying to eat the most of? Of, what do they like the most? And does that change over time and go into like a little more of a balanced um, snack protocol, basically? And if I think back about it, and I, I wasn't aware of this when my children were eating this way, but when I think back about uh, about that and how that worked, I would say, yeah, that, that is exactly what happened. They, uh, you know, they maybe at first were after one thing, but after a while they really would just kind of eat a balanced variety of all of those things. Oh, I know another thing I was going to tell you, hard boiled eggs. I would put hard boiled eggs in there as well. Um, I just warn you that the yolks can get messy because the, uh, you know, they'll fall apart and the kids like to play with them. And so, um, anyway, uh, one of the, so my daughter Gabby is in here right now. And she wanted, she's asking to be part of the podcast again today. And she wanted to say hi. Hi, Gabby. You want to say hi to everybody? Hi. If you want to be in the podcast, then you have to speak up so they can hear you. Hi. 
Okay. So Gabby, we're talking about um, lingual neurotesting today. Do you know what that is? No? They can't hear your head shake. You have to answer. No. <laughs> okay. So we're talking about you eating certain foods because your body is telling your brain that it needs those foods. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So sometimes, um, what are some of the things that you like to eat? Like, what were you eating today? What did I pack you today for your snack at school? Um, strawberries. That's right, strawberries. And so today, you sometimes you don't eat the strawberries I pack you, do you? Sometimes you bring them home and I say, Gabby, why didn't you eat the strawberries? But today you ate them. So what we're talking about with lingual neurotesting is how when, you, when your body needs certain vitamins and minerals, that it makes you crave those foods. So like today, maybe you needed what's in strawberries, and so that's why you ate the strawberries. What do you think about that? Good. Your brain's pretty smart, isn't it? It knows what your body needs, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> so did you miss mommy while I was gone this weekend? Yeah. Yeah, I was gone a long time, huh? Yeah. Daddy took good care of you though, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he did. I came home and you guys were all happy and and daddy took care of the house and he did lots of fun things with you guys, huh? Yeah. He's pretty awesome, daddy. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to get on with my podcast, okay? Do you want to tell everybody bye? Bye. All right. So um, just kind of some of the other things that they talk about with these studies is it just shows us that we've kind of, what they say is we've intellectualized ourselves out of the food game. So what they mean by that is with marketing, health reports, the allure of convenience, we've desensitized our abilities to select our food. So, and that is so true, right? Like if you think about how we feed our kids specifically, you know, especially toddlers, like I, I know that almost every single thing I picked for my kids prior to doing what I'm telling you guys about now was had to do with marketing. Like I saw the Gerber puffs on TV and I thought, oh my gosh, that's so brilliant. And they tell you that they contain real fruits and vegetables. They don't tell you all the other junk that's in those, but they really get you with the marketing about how basically if you're a good mom, you'll give these to your kids because you're getting extra vegetables and uh, and fruit in them. They don't tell you that the, the way they process this kills anything that would could possibly be utilized um, as nutrients by your body. And so you just think, oh, I'm doing, I'm doing the best thing that I can. And then the allure of convenience, right? Like that's so easy. I mean, toddlers make a mess. They, if you've ever given them one of those like biscuits or something, oh my gosh, they get it everywhere. They've got it all over their mouth, all over their clothes, their hands, whatever they were sitting near. So you think these little puffs are so easy. They just pick them up and pop them in their mouth and they're no mess and they're just easy. Same with Cheerios right? Like you would give them Cheerios because they're so easy. So these are things that, um, that we're using and, and because of this, it makes it more difficult for us to actually listen to our bodies. Um, we, we've just become so disassociated. Um, you know, we believe in a food, we believe in a product because of the marketing and because of what we're being told. And we've just completely moved away from uh, the communication with our bodies and our brains, you know, telling us uh, what it needs. So one of the things that they talk about in this functional 
vocational evaluation through the NTP or through an NTP that you do is it is relying on our body's innate ability to communicate what it needs in order to gain nutritional balance and overall well-being based on our own biochemical individuality. And that's one of the things that is so amazing about doing these functional evaluations on people and, um, and on, you know, we have practice clients that we, um, do these things on as we're kind of going through this course. And what's amazing is how it really does kind of connect the dots for people. And it really, I mean, we're, we have just become as a society so disconnected from our bodies and what our bodies are asking us for that we think when, I mean, just think about this, when you, when you have inflammation in your body, right? If you have anything that is, um, hurting you, what's the very first thing we do? We take a pain pill, right? Like an inset. We'll take something that that literally cuts off that pathway that enables us to um, feel that inflammation, that pain. Well, that inflammation is there for a reason. You know, our body is using that inflammation to heal something. But we have we are so disconnected that we just shut that pathway down as soon as we can. Nope. We're like, nope, 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 no pain, no inflammation, shut it down. And in and, and some cases, you know, I, I understand the pain. We need, to, we need to get rid of the pain. You can't handle it. But, but we don't even try. Um, for the most part, we don't even try to figure out, like, why is my body in pain? What is causing that? What, you know, am I, am I missing a nutrient? Am I, is there something, some vitamin, some mineral? Is there, is there something that my body needs right now that I'm not giving it? Um, I mean, oftentimes, like in the form of a headache, for instance, your body is not crying out for a bear or, uh, you know, or ibuprofen or an Advil. It's not deficient in any of those things. That is just cutting off that inflammation, that pain uh, receptor so that you don't feel it anymore. What your body oftentimes is crying out for is just water. It just needs hydration. You're, you, you have a headache because you are so depleted of resources and, and your body is like, come on, give me water. You know, I need water. I need to replenish this and I need to um, be able to feel better. And, and instead of just drinking water, we take an Advil <laughs> and tell our body to be quiet. We don't want to hear you. Leave us alone. You know, we're busy out here. <laughs> so... Um, but you know, we've just become so disconnected. So it's amazing through these functional evaluations and um, using these test points on the body that people, uh, just to see the light bulb go off. And I know for myself included, like, you know, having another practitioner work on, uh, on my, uh, FE points and kind of, uh, you know, connect the dots. It really brings you kind of back to listening to your body and it kind of restores that connection, which is kind of funny to say, like you are your body, right? Like how can you be disconnected? But we really have become so disconnected. Um, so it's really interesting to see that. And, and there are so many things I'm working on. And this past weekend just helped me to kind of reiterate all of that, um, to myself and kind of reconnect with my own body. You know, I get wrapped up in helping other people and often, um, you know, they say the shoe doesn't have any shoes. It's very true. You know, you, you are in this 
career and you're working to help other people help themselves and their uh, wellness journey, and then you tend to not uh, focus on you. Like, so for me, for instance, there's many things that I know I need to be working on and, and my adrenals have actually gotten worse uh, recently, um, which is no surprise to me. I mean, I'm, I'm not shocked in the least, um, to be hypoadrenic, uh, um, I am, uh, under a tremendous amount of pressure and stress lately and have a lot on my plate. And I know that, and I also know what I need to be doing to correct that. And I am also, um, not being as steadfast in those things that I know I need to be doing. So I'm going to be changing some of those things and practicing more of what I preach. <laughs> so, um, so it was kind of, you know, those things, even when, you know, you can really become disconnected still. And, and this kind of these functional evaluations help pull all that together. So, um, so what is uh, lingual neurotesting? We, it's referred to as LNT. So, you know, what is LNT? Why do we um, how does this even work? So what LNT is, is that it's actually, it is from your taste buds. So, um, in, uh, in LNT, the taste buds inform the brain and the body reacts accordingly. So what you do when you're LNT a place on someone's body is, um, let's say that someone comes up that, um, their, um, their HCL point is what we call hot. So it's, um, it's very painful. It's uh, very tender, sensitive, however you want to word that. And, um, and we would LNT or we would, we would FE, there's many FE points on the body. So we would go through, you know, a, an exam, but, but let's say that one of the points was this, um, this HCL point, which is your stomach acid. Um, many, many, many people have this point is a, is a, a very tender point on them because most people's, uh, stomach acid is deficient. So, we would um, see that, and then we would LNT that place. Now, you could just say, well, if your stomach acid is deficient, you should be taking hydrochloric acid to help uh, get your hydrochloric acid production um, back to where it should be, right? I mean, that's pretty easy. That's what you do. That's the advice. And then, in general, that is the right advice. That's what you need to do. Um, you need to, to give your body what it is needing and, and help it be able to do that. And you can take uh, different nutrients that will, um, most of us are nutrient deficient and it's kind of this, um, it's kind of this, this vicious circle because you can't make hydrochloric acid properly without the right minerals and nutrients, but you can't digest your food and pull out those mineral minerals and nutrients without the hydrochloric acid, right? So it's this like vicious circle that you just can't get out of. So we supplement to allow your body to begin to break down food properly. And then you can assimilate those vitamins and minerals out of the food. And then you begin producing your own hydrochloric acid again. So then you're able to come off of the supplement. But oftentimes, like in the, for instance, myself, I know that I'm hypochloritic, which means hypo means low. I'm low on hydrochloric acid production. I know that. But when we LNT, the supplement, um, for instance, hydrozyme is, uh, is, has hydrochloric acid in it, um, or betaine HCL. When I LNT that, which means I hold that supplement in my mouth while a, while a practitioner performs the exam again. And if that sensitivity on that spot goes down, then that tells us that that is the supplement I should be taking. Well, when I LNT those supplements, my HCL point gets hotter, meaning it gets more painful. 
when we LNT a product called gastrozyme, which is a has healing nutrients for the stomach lining, my HCL point almost completely disappears. So it, what's so interesting about that is if I was just taking betaine HCL, that could potentially be um, maybe not harming me necessarily, but it's not doing what it needs to be doing for me because I obviously have some irritation in my gut um, in, or in my stomach lining. There's, um, there is some uh, irritation in there that needs healing before I just bombard it with the hydrochloric acid. So, so that's just one example, but, but it's amazing how there can be all these different things that you can do for your digestion, um, all these different supplements you can take. And then if you're able to LNT it, you just, this, just the taste of the minerals and nutrients that are in these supplements sends this feedback loop to your brain that tells your brain, oh, that doesn't hurt anymore because now I have what I need. It is fascinating how that works, but it absolutely, so what it does is these receptor cells in your taste buds generate impulses to um, this part of the medulla oblongata um, in your brain, and, and it tells your brain, it conveys to your brain the information that you have what you need. So it it's it's just, it's so amazing that, that you can do something like this. It just, I just think it is, just so fascinating how our brains work and how, um, how all of our, uh, how our brains are just so smart and how our bodies work together. So there's all these different reflexes that you can, that you can do. There's the Chapman reflexes. Um, there's Bennett reflexes, Riddler reflexes. There's, um, all these different, uh, places on the body that you can test. And, um, and you can LNT, which is where you then try these different supplements, and it tells us where an organ is weak or there's a nutritional deficiency, and then we are able to uh, provide that nutritional deficiency for our body and then know that that is going to work toward our healing process. So um, I guess in summary of all this, um, first of all, if you can work with a nutritional therapy practitioner um, and you are having any kind of nutrition or, or health and wellness issues, I highly recommend that you seek out an NTP. Um, you know, we are trained and, um, you know, spend a lot of time studying this and working on this. I mean, this is why I am doing this for my practice is to be able to offer this to clients. Um, you know, it is amazing. You know, doctors, you go to a doctor and they are trained to provide you a pill that will fix the symptoms you're having. It does not fix, fix the problems. It controls your symptoms. When you are doing these types of testing that I'm telling you about, we are looking for where is the nutritional deficiency in the body um, that we can support and help it to be able to correct itself because your body can correct itself. It can fix those things. It just needs the right support. And we can listen to our bodies to tell us what they need and do that. In addition to urging you to definitely look into an NTP as your first line of defense, not your last. So not after you've exhausted every, you know, allopathic doctor on the block and have not been able to fix your issue. You know, I 
highly suggest that before you go through damaging your liver and your kidneys with all of these pharmaceutical drugs, that your first line of defense be an NTP, that they can help you figure out where the deficiencies are and hopefully help you be able to correct these things before you get too far down the road. But in addition to that, um, coming back to kids and getting your kids to eat the right things, you know, it's really, really important when we're dealing with kids that we are giving them the right minerals and the right nutrients and that they're able to digest them and break them down so that they can build the right body. You know, they, they need to build these, these, beautiful, strong, um, perfectly functioning cells throughout their body, and they need the right uh, building materials to do that. So if we are just inundating them with the carbohydrates and the sugar, they are not going to have the right materials, and they're not going to have the right fuel to stay fueled and have their systems work properly. Um, they just won't. It's why we see this epidemic of type 2 diabetes in children and um, and obesity in children and these uh, epidemic levels of all of these different dysfunctions and, and autism and learning disorders. And, um, you know, we really, really can turn this around and we really need to look at nutrition and, um, you know, and see is, is, is the government recommendations, are they really good for us? Are they working? Because in the last 40, 50 years, we have gone the opposite direction that we wanted to go. And we are really trying to follow these government recommendations and everybody's trying to eat these prepackaged processed foods that tell us they're fortified with vitamins and minerals and all these nutrients that our body needs. So if if that's really what we're supposed to be doing, don't you think that we would be healthier and in a better place as a society than we are? Yep, I think we would be. So I think we definitely need to kind of take a step back and really look at that. Okay, guys, so um, so that's that for that section. So uh, really quickly, to kind of wrap up the podcast, I did want to go over this listener um, submitted email. Uh, this is from Aaron, and Aaron submitted this and says, um, subject carnivore diet, question mark. She says, Jessica, I love your podcast, and I trust your level-headed approach to keto. I am hearing a lot about the carnivore diet in the keto community. It seems like more and more people are trying a zero-carb, no-veggie lifestyle. Some have even kept up eating this way for more than a year and claim they feel great and have healed their ailments. What is your take on this lifestyle? I'd love some info from a source I trust. Thanks for the wonderful work you do. I began keto two months ago with my mom. She is diabetic and was not doing well. I've been searching for a way to quote unquote save her. We both feel incredibly incredible living the ketogenic lifestyle, and it has bonded us even deeper than we were before. My mom's blood glucose levels are the lowest they've been in years. She gets frustrated with late weight loss at times, but I try to remind her daily to focus on healing first. I'm so grateful for this lifestyle, but sh- but it still feels a bit fragile. I'm worried bad advice may derail my mom, and there is just so much chatter going on right now regarding keto. It's hard to sift through it all. Thanks. So absolutely, Aaron, and I, I um, like I pretty much tell you guys every time that I do a podcast, I did already respond to Aaron, um, and I let her know that I have really not done research on the carnivore diet. Now, of course, I'm aware of it, and of course, I do hear the chatter in the ketogenic community about it. Um, I don't really 
know enough to say that I think it would be helpful or harmful to someone. Um, However, I do have some reservations for it. So um, my first reservation you might know by listening to me is that uh, I love vegetables. I'm a huge believer in vegetables for their fiber content, their nutrients, the minerals, uh, you know, and vitamins that are in them. I, um, I just think vegetables are amazing. And I think that probably three quarters of your plate should be vegetables. I know mine is, um, you know, my uh, let's see, I, I have, I, I've eaten breakfast both days since I've been home, which is not typical for me. I don't eat, I don't usually eat breakfast, um, until later in the day, but, uh, but I've been just so exhausted from traveling and trying to kind of get my strength back. And I'm waking up both mornings. I've just been ravenous. Um, so for instance, my breakfast was, uh, yesterday was one, it was a poached egg and um, a couple pieces of bacon, piece of sausage, and and that took up a very small amount of my plate. The rest of my plate was, uh, I don't even know how much, several cups of vegetables, including broccoli and cauliflower that was um, sauteed in uh, avocado oil. And I switched that up, what oil I sauteed in, but yesterday specifically was avocado oil, and um, half of an avocado uh, with salt, and uh, a decent amount of some fermented vegetables. So, you know, I believe in having lots of veggies. So for me personally, not only do I, do I believe that that's where you're gonna get a ton of nutrients, but I also am, I would be devastated to have to give up my vegetables. Like I love vegetables. I think they are just uh, so good and, I just, I, I mean, I crave vegetables probably more than I crave anything. So, um, it would be very difficult for me to give those up. Um, most days for lunch, if I'm eating lunch and and really the whole weekend that I was gone, uh, I eat a salad with some type of protein and fat with it. Um, typically I'll eat like an avocado or half an avocado with a salad, um, with some steak or shrimp or, or fish, or I don't eat a lot of chicken, but, um, you know, that type of thing. So again, if I was eating a carnivore diet, then my lunch would just be the protein part of that. Um, and that just wouldn't be very, I think mentally satisfying to me. I think I, I would want the rest of that. Um, in addition, uh, I think, the especially with trying to be ketogenic, um, this is going to be a, an excessive amount of protein intake if you go this carnivore route. So one of the things I shared with Aaron is that um, you know the meatheads, um, pun intended, there uh, that are spending a lot of time in the gym and pumping iron and whatnot. You know they may be able to handle the excessive amount of protein that would come with a carnivore diet, but I think that. You know, if I'm looking at like my clients, for instance, I could think of maybe one out of 20 that could handle a carnival di- carnivore diet. And I don't even know that they could because most people that I'm working with, um, we're working to fix um, other things. We're not, you know, I'm not, I don't just coach people into keto. Like that's, that's not what I am here for. I mean, I can certainly help you um, if that's the direction you want to go, but, but I haven't met anybody yet that in my coaching practice that has had everything 
the way it should be as far as their uh, bodies, their their organs working properly, their you know everything functioning right. And then I was just able to be like, oh, okay, great, everything's perfect on you. So here we go. Let's. I'm just going to give you a meal plan for every day, and then you'll be ketogenic in two weeks. Like that's. I've never run across that client yet. So, um, so one of the things that I am am very dialed in on, and one of the things that are pretty much always the number one focus with my clients is digestion. So I would definitely worry with the carni- with the carnivore diet, for instance, that if your digestion is not on point, like you're not perfectly, I mean, you, you better be producing the perfect amount of hydrochloric acid in your stomach, um, and, and digestive enzyme pepsin for protein. You better be, um, you know, 100%, uh, you might, you must have like the excellent, um, uh, um, digestive enzymes, um, bicarbonate, your, um, bioflow as you continue on down into your small intestine, you, I mean, it better all be dialed in because if not, you're not going to be able to emulsify the fats. Um, the, the proper pH level is not going to be happening in your small intestine, um, which is going to lead to other issues, um, including, uh, potential issues, uh, with, bacteria being able to back up into your small intestine and you'll end up with SIBO overgrowth. And there are so many issues, um, that could come from trying to eat this level of, of meat, um, protein and fat, uh, that if your digestion is not on, that you're going to end up in a much worse spot. Um, meat is harder to digest. I mean, it is it is the hardest thing for our bodies to digest, and so there def- that definitely plays into this. So if you are having any issues with digestion and aren't able to digest the meat, then you're going to become very quickly um, very depleted of the minerals and the vitamins that your body needs. Because while it is possible to get, um, like I said, I've not researched all of this. So, um, and, and spent a lot of time kind of thinking this through and like really kind of digesting, (laughs) see, you like how I do that, (laughs) um, digesting this, um, concept. I, I do understand that as long as you are eating high quality grass fed, pastured animals, you can get vitamins and nutrients that your, you know, the nutrients, the vitamins and minerals that your body needs from those animals, as long as those animals are taking that in. Um, and then of course, like with anything else, you can supplement to make up the difference. But what I would worry about more than anything is just that without absolutely um, stellar digestion, you are not going to be breaking down that food and you are not going to be absorbing what you need to be absorbing, uh, even in a lesser form than when you were taking in vegetables and fruits, because those are easier for your body to kind of pull that stuff out of. So if that kind of makes sense. So basically just kind of shared all of this with her and the fact that I just think it is amazing that she's doing this with her mom. And, um, and I'm really, I think it's amazing that her mom is taking the step. Now she doesn't share with me how old her mom is. And she doesn't even say, um, what diet, uh, what type of diabetes, although I'm going to assume type two, because she says that her blood glucose levels have been the lowest they've been in years. Um, 
so I'm really proud of her mom for also taking this on because I know that, um, you know, it's really easy to go to a doctor that tells you you have type two diabetes and tells you they have this drug that you should take. And then they basically just tell you to continue on your merry way. And here's this, um, drug that you can take that will make everything better. And, uh, and, and that's really very unfortunate, um, that that's what happens, but I really commend anyone who says, you know what, there has got to be a better way and I don't want to do it this way. Um, and so they try to take their nutrition in their own hands. And especially for, um, for Erin to really come alongside her mom and try to help her mom out with this. And I think it's really awesome. So, um, so that's kind of my take. I know that's not a whole lot of information on the carnivore diet. And, and if anybody's wondering what this is, I guess I should have said that in the beginning. So a carnivore diet, um, well, she kind of mentions it in her pot in her um, question, but it is just meat. So um, if you were on a carnivore diet, you might get up in the morning and eat sausage and bacon for breakfast. And then in the evening or in, for lunch, you might have um, some, uh, uh, you know, a big piece of grass fed chicken or something, you know, pasture raised chicken. Um, and then for dinner, you might have, uh, you know, a big old uh, pa- uh, grass fed ribeye steak, something like that. Um, so that's kind of your everyday you know, it's all, it's just meat, 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 more meat. So, um, I just, it sounds incredibly boring to me <laughs> and I love meat. I mean, I love a great steak. We had steak last night for dinner. Um, I was so happy to be back home and be able to grill out some steak and, and, uh, oh, it was just amazing. So I do love a good steak, but the majority of my plate again was, um, vegetables. I ended up, you know, I had a piece of steak. I had some shrimp as well, uh, grilled, but I had, you know, uh, BLT salad and, um, some fermented vegetables and some, some mushrooms and some onions. So, you know, I, again, I, you know, I don't know what I have enjoyed that meal. If it was just a piece of steak and some shrimp, you know, I guess it would have still been okay, but I, I definitely know I would have been longing for something more like the vegetables. Um, so anyway, that's kind of my take on it. I, you know, do I think it's harmful? I don't know. I mean, maybe for some people you could do it and you could get away with it, but I guess I just don't really know why, um, like why you would want to, um, I know there's a lot of talk about how, you know, plants try to protect themselves and, um, and the phytonutrients and the lectins and stuff and, and grains and all that kind of thing and how, um, those could affect you. So, I mean, I guess with more study on it, more, you know, exploring that, you know, maybe there is some good science behind it, but again, like even with the ketogenic diet, um, you know, if you don't have your digestion in order, if you, if you, if your stress isn't managed well, if you are not sleeping right, I don't care what diet you go on. It's not going to fix you. It's not, um, you know, it's not going to be the right thing for you. So, and again, we're all bio-individual. So, you know, maybe, um, 
you know, maybe this carnivore diet could work for one person and, and could wreck somebody else uh, based on their biochemistry. So I think, um, you know, I think, I think one of the things is we look at this, uh, you know, a carnivore diet and think, you know, like the Inuit tribe, for instance, the, um, the Eskimos, you know, we think, well, they, uh, survive on pretty much, uh, a carnivore diet. And so why, you know, they obviously can do it, but I think it depends on what part of the world you're from, you know, what, you know, the, that's how their, um, genetic makeup is. That's where they have, um, I mean, that's, that's how their bodies are made is to handle that environment, that diet, those foods. So, um, I think for everyone that may not be the best way to go. So, um, so there you have it. Okay. So that's kind of my take on that. So that really wraps up the podcast for today, guys. That's really all I have. Um, I am doing some exciting interviews over the next couple of weeks. I've got one coming up this week that probably will go out, um, Net will probably be next week's episode, but we'll see how that goes. And uh, I'm going to tease you a little bit with these. And then I've got another one uh, coming up next week, uh, uh, two actually coming up next week that I'm going to be interviewing that are just really awesome. Um, awesome. Uh, it, what am I trying to say? Like uh, <laughs> authorities in the ketogenic and just the health and nutrition space. So I think you guys are going to get some great information out of some of these um interviews that I have got coming up and I'm looking forward to just kind of uh, seeing how that goes and again I hope you guys have a great week I'm happy to be back home and excited to um, kind of move forward here and if you need to get a hold of me and want to reach out for uh, submit any kind of questions that you have or uh, if you're wanting to set up uh, if you're interested in working with me as a nutritional coaching client you can reach out to me and schedule a free 15 minute phone consult which i definitely recommend that you do i like to talk to you and uh before you pay me and set anything up because i want to see um, that we would be a good fit. Um, there are some things that I'm just not a good fit for, and I want you to be happy with the services that I provide. So I will tell you that um, up front. So I definitely encourage you to do that. You can go to my website and schedule that free 15 minute consult. You can just schedule it right on there. And uh, you can do that at jessicatai.com. And if you want to just send me some questions for the, that you'd like answered on the podcast or want to reach out to me with a comment, anything like that, you can certainly go to, uh, you can send me an email at uh, jessicatai, or I'm sorry, it's jessica at jessicatai.com. And uh, you can also find me on Instagram. I am that at that keto blonde on Instagram. And I also have a Facebook page that you can look me up is uh, www.facebook.com forward slash Jessica Ty Nutrition. And you can follow that page and then you will be up to date with um, anything that I post on there um, to kind of you know, whatever is going on. Sometimes I'll post articles or pictures or videos or just different things like that. So, um, and today I did, I haven't read a po- an interview in a while. So I would love to, uh, read a, um, couple of, um, reviews. So the first one I have is from Keto Beekeeper. I love that. Um, so anyway, they say, 
Uh, it's a five-star review. It says, uh, fresh ideas. I, re I really appreciated Jessica's insight into the ketogenic diet and other health topics. I am still waiting on some warmer weather to try grounding. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, thanks for what you do, especially with the busyness of life with five kids. Ignore those that don't see the value in what you do. Thank you, Keto Beekeeper. I really appreciate that. And uh, thank you for that review. Uh, one more I'm going to read for today says, amazing information. And I cannot pronounce this person's name. And I feel really bad about this. Um, I think it's like uh, maybe Kukai uh, Luciano. And they say, thank you for all the information and the way you explain things to us. Love listening to your podcast and can't wait to hear new ones. Um, that was a five star as well. So thank you so much, guys, for leaving those reviews. I have some more on there and I will read those um, here in the upcoming episodes. So if you have um, if you have a review, if you'd like to leave one for me, I appreciate five star. That's awesome. It does help people be able to find the podcast and get the information out there to other people that are interested in health and the ketogenic diet in particular. So thanks again, guys, for listening, and I look forward to talking to you again next week. Have a great week, and hopefully spring is uh, going to spring in your area. All right, guys, have a good one. Bye-bye. Go leave Mommy a five-star review. <laughs> thanks for listening to my Mommy and Daddy. This episode of Keto Lifestyle was brought to you by Mobile Mutations. Mobile Mutations is an app development, software development company based out of Cincinnati, Ohio, that is able to evolve your ideas to the next level. Whether you're a small business or a large corporation looking to get app ideas or put together a new portfolio for your online presence, please visit the website at mobilemutations.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we shared with you today and are looking forward to the next episode.